Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Traditions are everywhere, and they are a natural part of our lives as human beings. As we were just talking about, we have traditions as families, especially when we gather for holidays or special uh, celebrations. We may have traditions at work with certain phrases or mottos being passed down within workplaces or certain work ethics being put into practice every day. We, of course, have traditions in the church. We have our own calendar called the church year, and and specific attire is, is worn, and meetings are scheduled, and a certain order of service is put into place. Traditions are everywhere. They're they're how we decide and demonstrate what we value and what we want to then pass on to the next generation. As an example of this in our culture today, I felt it was quite appropriate to point out that in less than two weeks, there will be thousands upon thousands of of fans flocking to Ann Arbor and attending the first Michigan football home game. And if you were to drive up State Street, what would you see? Well, you'd see a bunch of traditions. You'd see people agreeing to show up at a specific time in a specific place to participate in something that has great community value. It helps denote identity, especially against those Buckeyes, right? This is Michigan football, and we are a part of it. You'd see people who had sacrificed significant uh, financial resources and time and energy to be there. And then when you see the people enter the stadium, you notice that they're all going in in different ways and doing different things in a semi-choreographed dance that makes up what we call game day. And, And there's music and there's cheers and there's songs that the whole crowd likes to sing together and and people who who don't know what to do when the first time they go it it takes time to to learn all that and to be initiated and into what it means to participate in this tradition and then you see parents leaning over to their children and and telling them about the the coaches and the players on the field and and look for this or watch when they do that or they tell them what things were like when they were a kid You see, a lot of people spend their whole lives learning and passing on the tradition of football because it's a very valuable thing to them and and to our society in general. And so that's an example of what traditions are. They are the passing on of customs and beliefs that we think are important. Now, there are good traditions and there are also bad ones. Traditions can pass on valuable and worthy things, but they can also pass on and perpetuate sinful habits from one generation to the next. So when we listen closely to Jesus today in our gospel reading, we might wonder then, what is he trying to say? Because he seems to be quite critical of tradition. After all, we hear Jesus say to the Pharisees and the scribes there in Mark chapter 7, he says, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Now we 
may be especially sensitive to Jesus' words here at Christ our King, because, as you're probably aware, we are a part of a denomination, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, that is, as we self-describe, very traditional. We are a part of a a group of churches, almost 6,000 congregations in the United States, and even more worldwide, that have agreed to follow together certain forms of worship. We follow the same calendar. We have certain practices that have been handed down from one generation to the next. Actually, many parts of our our Sunday service, including parts of the service today, are from a long time ago. Some of them are even thousands of years old. So we need to ask ourselves, is Jesus advocating for the removal of all traditions? Do we, as the Lutheran Church, need to be purged of tradition to have some sort of modern-day reformation? Well, probably there probably are some people who might read today's gospel and conclude just that. The people who tend to think that all customs and rituals are inherently wrong, and so we should advocate that any tradition in the church should be thrown out and that the slate should be wiped But history actually shows us then that when certain traditions are taken out of the church, that new ones always fill their place. Even if your tradition is to avoid tradition, well, that becomes then your new tradition. And so you have to ask yourself, is your tradition, whether new or old, a good thing? Is the new tradition any better or worse than the old traditions? Because we'll always have them as humans. That's just the way we work. But to ask again, is this what Jesus is saying in the gospel reading today? Is Jesus an anti-traditionalist? Well, the clear answer for us today is no. You see, what Jesus is speaking out against in our gospel reading are bad traditions, or even good traditions that are used in bad ways. And yes, there is such a thing as a bad tradition, just as there are good ones, and we'll be considering both of them today. But to understand what Jesus meant when he was speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes, we need to better understand the context in which he was speaking. We need to better understand the group to whom he was speaking. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, well, they followed what they called the tradition of the elders. Now, this was a set of rules and regulations that accumulated over time and and was passed down from one generation to the next. And this tradition of the elders, it was meant to act as a, a fence around God's law, as a protective fence to to keep people from breaking God's law. And they had traditions like we heard about today, like ritual hand washing or washing of cups and vessels and couches or even giving special dedicated gifts to God called Corban. Now, these traditions were not commanded by God. They were not in Scripture. They were man-made. 
Now, just because they were man-made, that didn't make them necessarily bad. Actually, they, they could have very well started out as an honest attempt at, of keeping a certain level of reverence for God's law, which obviously would have been a good thing. But over time, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they had elevated their man-made traditions to the same status as God's law. And in some cases, like the dedication of extra gifts to God as Corban that Jesus talks about, their tradition actually opposed God's law. You see, they were neglecting caring for their parents, as they should have, which is a commandment of God. And instead, they gave that money that they would have used to care for their parents as an extra gift, a corbin, all to appear more holy and righteous, all to gain extra honor and prestige for themselves. And this is why Jesus condemns their traditions. The Pharisees and the scribes were using them to elevate themselves in God's eyes, or so they thought, thinking that they were more worthy before God because of all that they did. And they were also using their traditions to elevate themselves in the eyes of other people, thinking that they were better than others because they did them. Which is why they're going after the disciples for not following the traditions. But in reality, what they're really doing is going after Jesus, the rabbi, for failing to teach them. Ultimately, the traditions of the Pharisees led them away from an honest view of themselves. They lost sight that they too were sinners in need of God's grace. And so that was the real issue. Their traditions changed their perception of themselves. They thought they could bring something of extra value to God, that God would agree that they were better than all the rest. And as a result, they ignored the sin that was in their hearts, all the while counting themselves as righteous. They created their own traditions. They waved their finger at those who didn't follow along. And in the end, what ended up happening was that they felt they had no need for a Savior like Jesus. Now, in our lives today, we need to be absolutely clear. We may have traditions in our families and in our work and even in our recreation, and those are fun and fine but when it comes to traditions, particularly traditions of the church and, and traditions of the faith, traditions that have to do with our relationship with God, and also traditions that have to do with loving and serving our neighbor, we must be very vigilant. Because if we have any tradition that opposes God's word, if we have any tradition that opposes Christ and his forgiveness, if we have any tradition that in any way elevates us above Jesus or above our neighbor, we must reject it. I know it's usually a harmless joke that we have that, that everyone likes to sit in the same seat in church every week, right? Because it's tradition. And that's fine, and usually it is harmless. But sometimes, though, we do need to be careful about how that might come across to someone who is new here. I saw it happen in a church once, not this one, 
where a member came up to a seated guest and politely but firmly let them know that they were sitting in their pew. And so the guests proceeded to stand up and move, but then they kept on moving and walked right out of the church. There's also that reputation that we have as Lutherans, and particularly German Lutherans, of which I am one, that we are so set in our ways, right, that we don't change. Now, that's actually more of a human thing. Human beings tend not to like to change, so it's not only unique to us. But still, we all have a certain way that we do like doing things, and generally speaking, that's not bad either. And we have a general sense that we have a way of doing things around church as well. But again, we need to be careful. When another member, or perhaps a, a new member, or a guest, they, they get excited about stepping up and participating and helping lead something, we need to be careful that, that we don't step in and say, well, that's not how things are done around here. Because if we do, how likely do you think they'll be to want to do something again? We must always be vigilant with our traditions, never placing ourselves above Christ and never placing ourselves above other people. But even though that there are bad and potentially harmful traditions, there can also certainly be good ones as well. You see, there can be traditions that oppose Christ, but there can be the ones that honor Christ. Traditions can stand in the way of the word of God, but they can also elevate the word of God. Traditions can point us to ourselves in harmful ways, but they can also point us to Jesus and the peace that he brings us. We can wrongfully hang on to bad traditions, but a good tradition can also bring us to Jesus Christ hung on the cross for our sins. You know, something interesting to consider is that this was one of the issues at the heart of the Reformation of the church back in the 1500s. Martin Luther and the Reformers, they were not anti-tradition at all. In fact, they led a fairly conservative Reformation. Yes, they intentionally rejected the, the Roman Catholic traditions that obstructed the gospel from the people and obscured the word of God. They rejected the man-made traditions that attempted to appease God and earn his grace. And they opposed anything that, that eliminated the need that we have for the blood of our Savior. But you see, the Reformers didn't abolish every tradition or even most of the traditions of the church at that time. Because many of the traditions and ceremonies were still Good. They served the people because they taught them what they needed to know about Jesus. Many of the, the traditions of the day led the people to honestly confess their sins and then receive the forgiveness from God. They were good and faithful traditions that the reformers knew were necessary to preserve. And that's why, actually, so many people even today still note the similarities between the, the Catholic Church and the, the Lutheran Church. There are many parts of our service that are equally as beneficial and good. Whereas there were other Christian traditions that came after the Reformation, and they sought to throw out everything 
and start from scratch. And so you'll notice when you go to those types of churches today, they lack any kind of historical component that connects them to the church and the saints that had gone before. The point is, traditions in the church can be used either to deepen our appreciation of what is good and right and salutary and draw us closer to God's word, or they can do just the opposite. They can point us toward Christ and him crucified for our sins and the sins of the world, or they can point us away from Christ. They can, they can point us instead towards our own human works and wisdom and our own attempts to justify ourselves before God. And obviously, those are traditions that are worth rejecting. But that's why we must always be on guard against bad traditions, either in our lives or in the life of the church. But we should honor and respect the good ones. Not because any kind of tradition makes us more acceptable to God, or not because any of them would be necessary for our salvation. We could get rid of all of the traditions that we follow in this church, and we would still be the church, and our God would still be our God. But we don't do that, and the reason is because they are good, as they direct our attention toward Christ and toward the gifts that he brings. As we conclude, think for a moment about some of the traditions you see in our church and in our worship services. The liturgy, the candles, making the sign of the cross, the, the cross on the wall and elsewhere throughout the sanctuary. The changing of the colors on the altar, all the church seasons that we celebrate, the, the special furniture that were made by the, the saints who have gone before us in this congregation. Bowing in reverence as we approach the altar, the, the stained glass windows that remind us of what Christ have, has done for us. The clothing and the vestments of the pastor, the, the decorations that we have, everything here that is not just a meaningless show, but rather have specific purposes and grant beauty and dignity and reverence to what is going on here. You see, all of this, it's not for for the sake of being extra worshipful or, or earning bonus points with God or because this is the only way we can do things. But rather we follow these traditions, these time-honored ceremonies, because they help turn our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds to what Jesus is doing here. What gifts he gives us in this place. These good and faithful traditions are meant to pull us out of an otherwise worldly and mundane life and into a new dimension that is uniquely all about Jesus. When we come into church, we realize there is no other place on the face of the earth that is like this. And that's good. That's the way it's meant to be. And that's why we do what we do. All of this is so that we can gather and hear as God's people, so that you can hear as a child of God right now and here in this place the crystal clear words of Christ 
for you. Jesus says to you, come to me and I will give you rest. I will make you clean. You are righteous because I bled and died for you. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are adopted as my child. And I give myself for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. You are mine. Do not be afraid. For I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.